Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fansided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. So welcome to this edition of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, brought to you by RocksPile.com. My name is Kevin Henry. I am one of the co-experts on the site, joined tonight by my good friend and fellow co-expert, Noah Yingling. Noah, how are you? Pretty good. How are you in a different state today? You know, why why stay in one place? Why not shake it up a little bit? In Oklahoma, seeing friends and family, uh, always a good thing. And I am excited about tonight's episode because uh, we have a great guest uh, that we're going to talk about him in just a minute. But first, Noah, let's say thank you to our sponsor. How about that? And before I do that, you know, yeah. what we should do with you, especially since you're going to be traveling more since the restrictions are lifting, it's not where in the world is Carmen, Carmen San Diego. It's where in the world <laughs> is Kevin Henry. Well, you know, I might even be traveling with the Rockies again. You know, I hear, I hear some blogs do that. So we should do that sometime. So yeah. anyway, hit us, so, hit, hit us up, uh, buddy. <laughs> yep. Our sponsor for our podcast is Manscaped. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. And we have a special offer just for you, 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Their advanced ceramic blade skin safe technology with their trimmers now also have a new multifunction on and off switch, which can engage a travel lock created for people like Kevin who like to travel. And it also has a 4,000K LED spotlight when needed for a more precise shave. Their new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over with additional guard lengths, sizes one through four. It's also completely waterproof. And did I mention it has wireless charging and a battery that lasts longer than ever before. 20% off and free and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. The code F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D and the number 20. 
unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And we are thankful to Manscaped for their sponsorship of the Rocks Power Rockies Report. And Noel, another thing that I am thankful for is that we have the fan-sided network where we can pull in uh, other experts to talk about what's going on in Major League Baseball. And that includes our friend Robert Murray, who is an MLB insider and writes for Fansided. And I'm going to tell you, I'm excited about what we're getting ready to talk about, not only because we get to pick Robert Murray's brain, but we also get to hear some of those juicy rumors uh, that are out there regarding the Rockies. And yes, folks, they are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, and with Robert, one, if you aren't following on, twi- on Twitter, you're you're missing out. Uh, uh, granted, we both are in the same camp of sometimes you love Twitter, sometimes you hate Twitter. <laughs> Definitely in the camp of love Twitter is Robert Murray. He is by Robert Murray on Twitter. Um, you can also read his work on fansided.com as well as redbirdrants.com, which is our sister site for the St. Louis Cardinals. Over there, if you're going to hear some about Nolan Arenado, sorry, Rockies fans. It's he does exist. Um, and did you, by the way, Kevin, did you know that he's cousins with Josh Fuentes? I, I just found that out. This um, is, and, and I'm, I hope that we can talk to Robert about this because he can hopefully confirm that for us. So that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, we should have asked him about that. We I, should have. Uh, that bad job on my part. Um, <laughs> I'm a bad person. So sorry, yeah. I, I didn't ask him. Um, so you can read his work over at Redbird Rants and at fansided.com. And he will have some news this coming week. And he talks about some of that news on the podcast when we talked to him earlier today. So on the other side of this break, we'll talk about some of what he said with him. And there's a lot to discuss in that. So we'll have that right after these messages. And we are back on the Roxpile Rockies Report brought to you by Roxpile.com. Kevin Henry, along with Noah Yingling and thrilled to have MLB insider for fan sided Robert Murray. Robert, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thank you. How are you? Hey, we are good. So excited to have you on. Got a lot of stuff that we want to get to in the short time that we've got with you. And and I'm just going to start with a something that we get asked all the time by Rockies fans. And I want to ask you because you tweeted about it. Uh, are the Rockies one of those teams that is looking at bringing on Albert Pujols? The Rockies were a team I thought would be a fit for Pujols. I thought they had a need at first base. Uh, we could use somebody in a lineup. At, I was told that they are not considering him at this time. Um, so we can squash them off the list. I think if we're looking at any team for Pujols, it's going to end up being a team in the American League uh, because of the DH, and he's not a very dependable first base option, at least defensively. Um, but Rockies make sense, but they're not going to be in on him. So all those Cardinals fans are getting ready to get a little more disappointed. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's that's basically what you're hearing. <laughs> right. Yeah. They uh as soon as that as soon as I tweeted what I did, they just flooded my mentions and uh yeah, they're gonna end up being very disappointed in the end. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, with Twitter, it's I can't imagine the amount of mentions that you get and not wanting to read all of them. <laughs> oh gosh. You know, I actually like they tell you to never read the comments and uh I do it. And it's probably one of my more favorite things in the world. I, I, I get a <laughs> out of that. One of your favorite oh. and least favorite 
Oh, exactly. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's some people who go like next level and everything, but for the most part, it's pretty fun to read. So for with the Rockies front office ruling Pujols out, um, yeah. one of the things obviously uh, has been one of the biggest topics uh, to start the season for the Rockies is Jeff Breidich resigning, or yeah. whatever you would like to call it. Some people think it was a re- resignation. Some people think that it was more of a I, or you, you can't fire me because I quit, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. With the, oh, with, so Bill Schmidt has replaced him. He was the scouting director before. But the, as we all know, the Rockies have had some issues in the last few years. Um, so a lot of fans are hoping that they will go outside of the organization to hire that GM. Do you think that's it, that's going to be that way? And if so, who are some candidates you think that might be in the race for it? Yeah, I think the Rockies' job—they're gonna—they should look outside the organization. I think they're gonna end up looking at some people inside the organization um, just throughout this entire search. But if they want to really look to improve this team going forward, they would add somebody outside the organization, um, and. I think they're going to end up attracting some really good candidates, but also a lot of them are going to be scared off just because this is a massive rebuild. And Monfort is not exactly, I mean, he's, he's a guy who gives these GMs a lot of time and, um, and I think that's going to be nice, but the way that he meddles in baseball operations is really going to throw off some of these candidates. Um, if the one guy, there's, there's a bunch of people you hear in baseball who draw a lot of GM buzz. And ever since uh, Jeff Breidich resigned, I've had probably five or six baseball people recommend Chicago Cubs high-ranking executive Jason McLeod for the job. I don't know if he's going to be a candidate, but I know that John Heyman also tweeted his name as well. So he's, he's definitely getting some buzz for that job. Um, I just, there, there's going to end up, this is going to end up being a pretty extensive search. And although like, sticking along with that search, I thought it was really strange that Bradich resigned, or as you said, quote unquote resigned, and they didn't have a replacement right away. Um, that was different to me just because usually you're going to end up having an interim right off the bat and them not having a, a, an interim GM as soon as he was gone. That w- it was a little different. It didn't take too long to, to name that interim person, but um this is going to be one of the more important searches of Monfort's ownership for sure. Um, McLeod's probably going to end up being on that list. I would imagine that list is probably going to end up starting off very deep and they're going to begin ruling some of these guys out as the season goes on. Now also too on that, especially since you brought up Jason McLeod, um, someone that Rockies fans have been longing to have as not necessarily GM, but more of a president of baseball operations is Theo Epstein. Do you think there is any chance that he would want to come to Colorado as kind of a uh, challenge, uh, definitely a challenge to, uh, uh, to continue his career essentially with a team since he's in the MLB offices right now. Mm -hmm. I I, I would think if he does it, he would need to have an ownership stake um, along with Montfort and everything. And I don't know if that's going to end up happening, but I could see Epstein for sure being intrigued by it um, just because of the challenge that Coors Field presents. 
um, for pitchers especially and, and trying to game plan for that. And um, so I could see him being interested, but he really wants to be an owner and maybe that happens next year or a couple of years from now, but he's enjoying working in the commissioner's office and also spending a lot more time with his family. Um, so I can't see him going for that job like right now. I going from the Cubs to the Rockies would be a, a bit of a downgrade for being honest. And I, I just, I think Epstein is ready for a different challenge. I don't know if the Rockies is that unless it's in an ownership role. Joined by MLB insider uh, Robert Murray uh, for Fan Sided. And Robert, I've got to ask, you, you know, you mentioned that the Rockies are a little bit of a downgrade from the Cubs nationally. What is the national perspective on the Rockies right now? I mean, we, we've seen with the Nolan trade all the, the outcry that there was after that. What is it going to take for this team to actually rebuild its face nationally? Man, <laughs> that is a really good question. It's going to take a lot. Um, they... I don't know if swearing is a lot on this, so I'll keep it PG, but they're, uh, they're known as a cluster. You know what? Um, yeah. it's, um, I, Breidich was a huge reason for that. And like, I've been in baseball. This is my eighth year now. Um, and getting to talk to executives, you get to know more and more people throughout the years, but I've never seen the outpouring of just pure happiness. As soon as Breidich resigned, like, he was genuinely despised. Um, by a lot of different people for how he treated them and how he went about just building the Rockies. And what he left in Colorado is whoever replaces him's job to fix. And that's ultimately on ownership, that's on manager, that's on everybody involved. But the person who replaces Bradich is going to end up being tasked with, um, with changing that culture. And this is not going to be a one or two year kind of a deal. This is going to be a big thing. It's going to end up implementing all these different processes and, and trying to do that while ownership meddles. And that's a huge challenge, but the uh, public perception, at least nationally is this organization's a mess um, and they've earned it. It's, it, it's, it's not a very good perception. That's putting it lightly. Well, we know that there's a lot to do to get the Rockies right back on the right track. And that includes what's going to happen at this year's trade deadline. So let's kind of go down some of the, the trade chips, as it were, that the Rockies have and what you're hearing and what you're kind of predicting with that. And I, I think we've got to start with Trevor's story. Uh, you know, we've heard so much about the story to the Yankees pipeline. Is that a possibility or what are you kind of hearing out there right now? Yeah, I think that's a for sure a possibility, and I, I would pull, I would call them the early favorites. Um, I, I don't think talks have happened so far this year, but from what the Yankees need, they need a shortstop pretty bad. And if they're able to get Story, they could move Glaber Torres over to second base and kind of shift their infield with DJ LeMahieu. Um, I, I would I think it's a matter of when, not if, that Story's trade, and they're going to end up getting a pretty decent haul. And if I was the Rockies, I would look to sell him sooner rather than later because the earlier you sell him, the more you're going to get into a package turn. Um, but I, I think he's as good as gone by July 30th, which is when the trade deadline is. And, and let me follow up on that, uh, and then I'll let Noah ask, ask about the next one. But there's, there's a lot of talk in Colorado that with the All-Star Gaming all-star game coming to the Rockies that the Rockies may hold on to some of their star players to have them yeah. play in that game. Is that something you've heard? And is that something that you think would be of value to the Rockies just uh, in a national stage? 
Yeah, I can't say I've heard that, um, but I can I can absolutely see that thinking. I think that makes sense. Um, but at the end of the day, the Rockies are going to try to do what's best for them long term. And if it's if they can get in a haul for trading Story tomorrow, I, maybe they I, I think they would consider it. Um, I don't expect that, and I should. Ask that, but um, uh, if I was them, I would not let the All Star Game get in my way of of getting the best haul in return. In our second segment with Robert Murray, we talk about something that was very prevalent this past offseason and very relevant to him as he writes for the Cardinals. If you don't know what we're talking about, you'll find out on the other side of these messages. And we are back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry here with you. And we have our second part of our conversation with fan-sided MLB insider Robert Murray. So, um, with getting a haul, um, since we were just talking about that, with Nolan Arenado this offseason, this past offseason, I should say, um, obviously since you are in tune with the Cardinals, since you write about the Cardinals, um, what are some of your opinions on the trade return for that and of how Arenado has been with the Cardinals? Um, I'll, I'll start off with how Arnado has been. He's been very good. Um, defensively he's been as advertised. I think offensively he's got potential to be even better. Um, especially as he gets more comfortable in St. Louis. Cause he said right off the bat that he wasn't overly comfortable there. Um, at least not, he's just getting acclimated to his new surroundings. Um, and I, I think Arnado is going to end up being a brilliant guy for them. That's not exactly the boldest take I've ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> but, uh, He's he's gonna end up being very good. As far as a return, um, I like the Rockies could have gotten a lot better, um, especially since they ate what was it fifty one officially? Was it million? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, that trade, that part of the trade just still boggles my mind. Like, what, like what was your guys' reaction when you guys when you saw that they ate that much? At first, mine was okay. Um, that. I thought that return was a little bit light, even if you didn't have the 51 million in. Yeah. But then you throw the 51 million in too. And it's like, what in in the world were you guys thinking? And especially like we were on the, um, we were in the presser for it with Dick Monfort. And then we also hopped on the St. Louis one as well. And Dick Monfort was like, well, we were, uh, we had the feeling that he was going to opt out. And literally that same day, Arnado was like, no, I, I wasn't going to opt out. So I, I don't know what he's talking about. So it's, and also too, when John Mosellock that same day said, uh, I felt nauseated that we wouldn't get a deal done. I'm like, huh, I wonder why it's maybe cause we maybe just maybe they thought, Oh, we're pulling highway robbery on these guys getting 51 million from them. And, uh, how are they not woken up to this yet? But uh, obviously they aren't. So let's go through with it. <laughs> it's uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like my reaction was the same to you. Like it was just, it was nuts. The 51 million part of it, I, 51 million and yeah. getting that bit of a return. That's, I think you said it highway of robbery is what it was. It was a heist. Um, that, that might have been actually, I'm going to, I'll, I'll take out the might. That was rock bottom for Bradish's tenure. I was, a lot of it was Dick Montfort. Um, 
but also Bradich is responsible for kind of deteriorating or really worsening that relationship with, with Arnado. And man, um, maybe some of these guys that they got returned turn out. Um, I mean, there's potential with some of them, but I don't think any of them have a shot to be Arnado level, especially wait, the Cardinals weren't willing to give up any of their top prospects in that deal. But you would think that the Rockies would have at least gotten one um, in, in that deal, but so, they, they didn't, and yeah, just very confusing. So, so knowing the the cluster that the Arenado yeah. trade was, mm-hmm. Rockies fans are very nervous about a story trade or a gray trade or whatever might be coming down the pike. Do you see hope that now that Jeff Reich isn't the GM, that the Rockies may do better with a story trade? I do um, because I, there's a few teams that I've talked to who have spoken to the Rockies about different players over the years who were really frustrated with how they ended up going about these trades or at least these discussions is they would call one moment and, and then the next they call five minutes later and the, the ask price would be different. It's kind of like they didn't even have a conversation. Uh, there's been other teams who I've heard are like that. So the Rockies aren't alone, but Bradich is on a different level uh, or he was at least. So I, I think they're going to end up getting – these discussions are going to be a lot more civil, at least I would think so, um, which is ultimately going to lead to a better haul, especially with a guy like Story, because the Yankees aren't going to be alone in that one. I, he's going to be a pretty coveted guy. Again, we're joined – go ahead. I was going to say, well, one, Robert Murray with us, fan-sided and one of our insiders. But um, for John Gray, he's, he's another one. How do you think the return will be for him and – Perhaps you have some news on him that you want to tease. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a. I like that one. I'll I'll tease some news. <laughs> there's a. There's a. There's a pretty strong expectation that he's going to be one of the first players traded. Um, and the Rockies, even during spring training, were putting out feelers to other teams about Gray. Um, I, he is. He's been very good this year. Um. And I, I could absolutely see him having a pretty strong market um, and, and ultimately getting them a pretty decent haul in return. Um, he's uh, it, the, the Rockies have not been able to extend at least a lot of their homegrown starters to big deals. Um, I mean, Ubaldo Jimenez, or actually, let me rephrase this. A lot of them who have hit the open market have not gotten big deals is what I should say. And I, um, and Gray has a potential to either land a monster deal in free agency or sign a lucrative deal um, with the Rockies. And I, he, I think he's going to end up being a guy who is very coveted, um, very strong right-handed option that, I, his market for what I, from what I can gather is going to be quite strong. Um, I just don't know what team is going to end up ponying up what's going to take to, to get him. But my expectation is him is his situation is exactly like stories. He's more than likely going to be gone. Robert, I wrote an article last week that, that was kind of talking about who has the higher value right now. Is it story or gray for the Rockies? What do you kind of see as the answer to that question? That's a, it's another very good question. I, that's, I like that one. I, uh, 
you can't go wrong with either. I mean, that's the the cop out answer. But if I'm going to go with one, I would say it's Story, just because I think he has the ability. He's going to play every day if he's traded to a contender, and Gray's going to end up going once every five days. Um, so I'll go with the guy who plays more. But I think if you're looking at Story, he's got the potential to carry a team in the postseason. I think he's that got that kind of ability. And Gray, he can be a frontline starter, um, in my opinion, and really help lead a team who needs pitching depth or, um, I, I mean, or if a team tries to do what the Padres did where they had five just dominant starting pitchers, if they want to go on that route. So they're deeper in the rotation, but I would go a story, but you really can't go wrong with either. What you, what'd you end up saying in your story? I, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, I kind of did a cop out answer too, to be honest. Cause I, I think what, what I mentioned in there is that Gray has proven already this year that he can pitch at Coors, which I think if you can pitch at Coors, then a lot of teams go, well, you can pitch anywhere then. Yeah. Uh, so so I did lean toward Gray a little bit, but like you said, he's he's also on the mound every fifth day. So, yeah. and, and I guess I let me follow that question by asking you, has Gray's strong start to 2021 really elevated his trade value because he's coming off a couple of injury riddled years and, and some inconsistency as well. But so far this year, he's, he has started strong. Yeah, he's, uh, that's a great point. And I think he's absolutely increased his value. Um, he's, he's right now probably the most talked about starting pitcher who could be available at the deadline, not named Max, Max Scherzer, which says a lot about what Gray has done this year. And it's going to be up to him from now until right up until the trade deadline for him to stay healthy. And there's a shot he's traded well before the deadline. Um, I, I don't think talks have progressed. I don't, I don't know if talks have taken place, but there's a pretty strong expectation. He'll be one of the first players dealt. And if he stays healthy and stays on this course, I, his trade value is going to end up getting them a, a decently surprisingly like good haul for them. It's probably not the most English phrase I've ever said in my life, but um, like it, it's going to be a very good haul. They're going to be very happy with that. And then finally, for me, for the other free agents that the Rockies have, um, Michael Givens out of the bullpen, and then Charlie Blackman isn't a free agent, but it's the last guaranteed year of his contract. He has a player option for the next two years. Uh, what do you see? Or do, a, do you think that those two will be traded? And B, if they are traded, what kind of return do you think they the Rockies would get for him? Yeah, and you, you said, because I'm not familiar with Blackman's contract, you said they're player options? Yeah, there are player options for the next two years. Twenty yeah, million, I believe, for twenty twenty two, and ten or eleven million for twenty twenty three. I mean, that, those are affordable numbers, so I could see a team being interested in that. But having player options for an, an older guy like that, or I mean, he's still effective. Don't get me wrong, but um, that'll scare some teams off because they like to have that flexibility to have the team option or the mutual options. So I could see that kind of impacting what his market looks like, but with Givens, it's always teams looking for relievers. Um, and I, I could see him having a market just because he showed what he can do in Baltimore too. Um, and he, he's, he's proven he can end up being a, a pretty decent reliever. Um, so I would say Givens is the more likely of the two to be dealt. I just have a very hard time seeing Blackman um, getting much, if any, interest at the deadline, especially with this most player option. That's a pretty big hurdle for the Rockies front office to clear. Yeah, and it's twenty-one million for twenty twenty-two. It's ten million for twenty twenty-three, okay. but it could increase by up to eight million depending on his performances from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty-two. 
I don't yeah. know what the performances are, but they're quote unquote yeah. performances. Yeah. And I, I misunderstood or I misheard you on the first one. I didn't realize it was in the 20 millions. I thought you said it was like 11 million or so. That's that no, was 21 and then 10. Okay, that'll definitely scare teams off. Yeah, I, I think Blackman's a pretty safe candidate to, or a candidate to stay unless they eat some of that deal, which they they've proven willing to do it before. So exactly. maybe they do it here. Yeah, and he's making twenty one and a half million this year. So yeah, that, yeah, Moffert would for sure need to to get uh, his his checkbook out and eat some of that one. Maybe the fifty one million from Arenado should have been saved and used to alleviate some of Blackman's contract in a trade, but. He, Abe, that's uh, <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong. Let's just, let's just say that. Yeah, you're not. You're very right. Yeah. So Robert uh, Robert Murray, the MLB insider for FanSided, I've got to ask. You know, there's been some talk about Herman Marquez, and and uh, Rockies fans think uh, that he is kind of that uh, cornerstone. He and Kyle Freeland are those two cornerstones that are really untouchable for the Rockies. Are they untouchable in your eyes? I don't think anybody's untouchable. Um, it would be tough to trade him or trade either of those guys. But I look at a team like the Los Angeles Angels um, as a potential fit for Marquez. Um, I've been eyeing that one up for quite a bit. I don't know if there's been talks or anything between the two sides. I just want to make that clear. This is just me speculating. But if they're able to get a guy, let's say, along the lines of like Brandon Marsh from the Angels, who's a very good young outfield prospect, they're so high on him in their front office. If you're able to get an offer that includes him um, in a trade package for either Marquez or Freeland, I think you absolutely have to entertain it. So maybe you just you go with the approach of listen and don't shop. But if you're able to get something that just blows your socks off, um, I, I think you have to do it. And that means no untouchables and listening to every conversation or every call that comes in. Do I think they're traded? No. But would I call them untouchables? No, I wouldn't. He is at by Robert Murray on Twitter, uh, the MLB insider for FanSide, Robert Murray. And Robert, I know that you're going to have an article, I believe, coming out on Monday that I think Rockies fans are going to be interested in, right? Yeah, exactly. I appreciate the plug on that one. Yeah, I'll have some Rocky stuff. I'm uh, also going to have some other NLW stuff with Madison Baumgartner, I believe, and a bunch of other inside baseball notes. So it's going to end up being, with the trade deadline getting closer, we're going to see more and more notes about the about trades and, and whatnot and all these talks that are happening. So this one's going to include some, and just going forward, there's going to be a bunch. So, again, thank you for plugging that. Absolutely. Noah, you want to ask the last question before we wrap up there, friend? If you've got one, you can go. But All right. Know. Here's the last one I'm going to ask you, Robert, and then we're going to let you go, my friend. So uh, we know that the Rockies are going to be sellers at the deadline. Are there uh, Tigers, Pirates, are there other teams that you see are really going to be the big sellers at the deadline? Yeah, I'll go with, I mean, the Nationals look like a prime seller right now. Um, but if we're looking at a team who could really just sell off some of their pieces it'd be the minnesota twins which never in a million years did i see that coming at all um just because they're 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 very talented and they were going into the season as favorites to win their division and it, it's been anything but that and you got a guy like angelton simmons who's on a one-year deal you could trade nelson cruz who's who just doesn't age he's kind of like a wine he just gets better uh, <laughs> as he gets older uh and there's a lot of different pieces on that team, starting pitchers, relievers, you, you name it. Um, that would be a team that I would eye up quite a bit as a trade 
partner if I was looking to buy and looking for a team that's selling. Um, but those two really stand out to me as uh, maybe they're not going to be like the, the most obvious sellers, but um, the most intriguing ones is, is how I'd phrase it. Sounds good. At by Robert Murray on Twitter. I'm sure he will be posting out that article on Monday. So appreciate you stopping in, Robert, to talk Rockies and trade deadline with us, man. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me, too. Have a good night. All right. Thanks. Thank you. And we'll be back after this break with more on the Rockspile Rockies Report. And we are back here on the Rockspile Rockies Report, brought to you by Rockspile.com. Kevin Henry alongside Noah Yingling. Noah, there's a lot to unpack from what we just talked about with Robert. And, and I think the biggest takeaway that I have from a lot of things that he talked about, and I'm sure he's going to be talking about in that Monday article, is the fact that there are changes coming with this Rockies roster. And, and I think we've got to be prepared for that. And part of those changes is also going to be the slew of injuries that the Rockies are going through right now. And we know that uh, there is a lot of changes that are going to happen with this team, even before anybody is traded or dealt or whatever phrase you want to use. And that's something that I think the the Rockies definitely have to consider is, for example, as we talked about, what if they decide to actually be one of the first trades this offseason and trade John Gray? What if they decide to trade Herman Marquez? Is Kyle Freeland going to be ready? I mean, he should be here in the next few weeks, but if you've got a rotation of Freeland, Senzatella, Chichi Gonzalez, and throw in two hats into the ring, Castellani, Antonio Santos, which it doesn't seem like he's... He started off slow, at least so far, in Albuquerque. Doesn't seem like he's at the top of the list for the Rockies, but is it Jose Mujica? Derek Rodriguez seems to be completely MIA, um, but is he is he somebody? Or uh, what are they going to do? Austin Gomber well, obviously will be in the rotation as well, so it's a- actually more of one spot. But, I mean, you also have to consider it could be two sh- spots. Is Chichi Gonzalez a long-term starter? Well, I think that the Rockies will be starting on Saturday night at Wheelis Chasin. So, you know, there's another option there for the rotation as well. And I think we've got to look at that there are going to be trades happen. And again, more than likely, Story and John Gray are going to be your two biggest trade chips uh, to come. We've talked about that on the site, which one is the bigger one. Make sure you check out that article. But I think that you've got to look at you know, one thing that we've, we've always seen with the Rockies is that veterans are keeping younger guys from playing. And that's been a talk for so many years now. We've waited to see what Rymel Tapia could do. We've waited to see what Ryan McMahon, what could Brendan Rogers, you know, all these names that we kept hearing about. Now they're playing and we look back and we know that there's not a lot of people that are MLB ready to move up to that next level. There may be in 2022, there may be in 2023, and certainly Colton Welker's suspension uh, has cut into the pipeline uh, with him being out for 60 days now, uh, or 60 games, I should say. But I think that- actually. Sorry, you're exactly right. I was thinking back to the Justin Lawrence thing. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, but, but one thing to think about is that there's not a lot of that MLB talent ready to move up and, and plug in some of these holes that are going to happen. But even before we could talk about that, 
the injuries that are going on. And, and Noah, I know you and I have tried to figure out the whole, you know, chessboard of who's going to be coming back and what happens to the roster when a CJ Crone comes back, when a Brendan Rogers comes back, uh, you know, down the line, when a Chris Owings comes back, what does that roster look like and who do they shuffle back and forth or get rid of completely? Well, and the thing is too, I mean, you could even have more injuries coming down the line. Ryan Maltapi was scratched from today's start. We're recording this on Friday. Um, it sounds like it's going to be day-to-day, but who knows? It could be something more. Matt Adams, he's on the injured list now. If, if I had to guess, and if I were running the team, which I am not, because um, I would have done a lot of things differently, as would most of us. Um, and we talk about that in the podcast as well, as you just heard. Um, but with, with Matt Adams, okay, he, they said we went with him rather than some of their other candidates because he looked great at the um, alternate site. He was hitting over 300, had some homers, played first, played left, veteran, lefty. Okay, that, that's fine. Some, peop- some fans are still not happy with it, but some fans are just not going to be happy in general. You get over. But what he's shown at the plate before he hit the injured list doesn't show that he needs to be on the team. Or he should be on the team, I should say. So if CJ Crone's going to be activated and Connor Joe's been called up, has played, pardon my French, a hell of a lot better than Matt Adams. Matt Adams doesn't have a spot on the team. So, and especially if you're bringing back a Brendan Rogers here in the next week or two, presumably, um, Chris Owings is going to be further out. But then also, too, as you mentioned, there's going to be other guys coming off the injured list here shortly. Kyle Freeland, he's going to be starting tomorrow, meaning Saturday, and then he's going to be starting next Thursday. Are the Rockies going to bring him up after that? Will they give him a third rehab start? But either way, I mean, you're looking at today, right now is the 14th. You're looking at if if they decide after Thursday – He's going to come up. You're talking probably the 25th, 26th. So we're talking a week and a half away. Now, if it's another start, you're looking more around Memorial Day, June 1 range. But still, I mean, it's not he, – he's coming back sometime soon. So yep. you're going to have some of these guys like Matt Adams or, for example, Shasin or – Yancy Almonte, if he doesn't get it together, Lucas Gilbreth, some others who have struggled. Daniel Bard's another one. He's not looked great out there. Um, and you probably didn't think that going into the season. And also, too, with Bard, he has a minor league option. If he very well, if he pitches the next two weeks like he has been the last two weeks, they might option him to Albuquerque. You know, I, I agree with that. I think it's a possibility, but then it makes you say, if Daniel Bard isn't your closer, who is right now? You know, I, I think that that's, a, that's another thing because I would say, you know, and, and we laughed about this in a previous podcast, that Carlos Estevez could be moved into that role, but guess who else is on the injured list right now? 
Carlos <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, Bud Black told us today that uh, Carlos was still uh, working his way up to throwing a bullpen session. So he's still a ways from coming back for the Rockies as well. And as we were just talking about with the trades, with I mean, when we were talking about it with Robert Murray, Michael Gibbons could be one that's traded. Teams mm-hmm. are always looking for relievers. Yep. But if Bard isn't your closer, Estevis is still on the injured list. Robert Stevenson has been spotty in his last two starts. But if you trade Gibbons, Robert Stevenson's your closer. I mean, who else are you going to go to? Yeah. Tyler Kinley? Yeah, it, there, there's not a lot of options. And, and that's the thing, you know, that we're going to talk about after the next break is the bullpen and kind of the status of what the pitching is going to look like. But I'm still very curious to see how this infield puzzle pieces together with yeah. a CJ Crone coming back, with a Brendan Rogers coming back. Because the way that I see it, and Noah, argue with me here, is if you've got Rymac at third, you've got Story at short for now, you have Brendan Rogers coming in at second, you've got CJ Crone at first base, even with how Connor Joe has played, and he's done very well. But I still think that that is the best infield right now the Rockies can put together. I mean, perfect world. Yeah. And I can tell you one thing. Unless his last two games, or last two-plus games now, since we're broadcasting, uh, we're recording this during Friday's game, um, if Josh Fuentes doesn't, uh, returns to his pre-haircut self um, and – hits in the bottom 5% of the league in nearly every stat, the Rockies don't have a place for him unless they happen to trade story or some of the other players. But yeah, it's, it's something where I, I think it's really going to be interesting. This team's going to look a heck of a lot different in August yeah. than it does now. Part of it, it is, is because some of the injury guys will hopefully have returned But who knows? Some of those guys, like Chris Owings, he could return and, oh, some team needs him who's in contention. And it's July 30th, which is the trade deadline this year, not July 31st. It's 30th. Um, They could decide, oh, we've seen him play for two weeks. We need a utility guy who's a veteran. Trade for him. See ya. You know, and, and one thing that jumped out at me, during our, our talk with Robert was that there are no untouchable guys, or at least there shouldn't be for the Rockies. Yeah. And, and, and I, I completely have that belief too. No I, I agree. I, I agree. I think if you're really going to, you know, for lack of a better term, blow this up, then blow it up. Uh, yeah. You know, but I also think that if you're going to trade story, one, one person that we have not talked about in the sole infield chatter is Alan Trejo. You yeah. know, is he the guy who's going to slide in at shortstop or do the Rockies actually say, you know what? Fuentes can play third. Rymac can play second. We move Rogers to shortstop. Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's and a lot. Mentioned too, is Rogers an MLB player? We have. What have we seen it from him yeah. in the major league level? If you trade Story, if you happen to trade, for example, Charlie Blackman, or some of the other people, I mean, what do you have there? You, you can't be hitting Alan Trejo clean up in your lineup. He's great defensively, but right now he is not. He and he has definitely developed more in the bat here in the last six eight weeks. Yes. But he's not a cleanup guy. No. Well, and and you know if you had told me coming into the season, hey, guess what? In mid May, Connor Joe's going to be hitting second in the lineup. I'd be going, 
oh my God, <laughs> you know, but that's where we are right now. You know what I would have said? Oh, so they traded story in April. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. and, and, and Connor Joe, again, one of the best stories of the year for the Rockies, yeah. you know, Daniel Bard was the great story last year, this year. It's so far, it's been Connor Joe and, yeah. and it's tremendous. By but, the way, uh, they, uh, at Coors Field, they better be chanting Joe, 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 Joe. Connor Joe, the first baseman guy. They better be doing. Well, apparently, you know that uh, it's a it's a catchy little ditty, as we like to say. You know, I'm just telling you. Uh, but you know, but I, I, I mean, you could probably speak to this better than me. Some of the guys in the press box just absolutely were digging it up. You know, I, I think that multiple you know, guys do. <laughs> well, yeah, but but let's let's be perfectly honest here. There hasn't been a lot to really get excited about you this year yeah. with this team. You know, after that opening day win, it's kind of gone, you know, yeah. and so so hearing Connor Joe get chanted, you're like, okay, this is actually kind of cool, especially him coming back from testicular cancer and everything else. Yeah. And, and Noah, before we go to break, one thing that I, I was thinking about whenever we were talking about this podcast earlier is how many shuffle pieces there are for the infield, but there's so many pieces that can't be shuffled for the outfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you say, hey, Connor Joe or hey, Josh Fuentes, you know what? We're going to try you out in the outfield as well. Yeah. And I just, in my heart, I say that that's not a good idea. Well, and especially, too, if Sam Hilliard can't hit, which yeah. he, at least this year, he has not shown that. So, I mean, are you going to have Garrett Hampson as your everyday center fielder? I, I'm thinking that, you know, I, I'm surprised that Daza hasn't gotten more play. But I also think that they're afraid to take Hampson out of the lineup so much. Even though Daza has hit very well and he's shown well at the plate at times, they still would rather have Hampson in the lineup than Daza, I think, right now. Yeah, and that's, uh, as we were talking about just a minute ago, and we'll do on the other side of the break, too, with a bullpen. In fact, on the other side of this break, I, I have a proposition for you. Someone that possibly could close. And I wouldn't have guessed it at the beginning of the season. But I'll pose the question to you on the other side of this break. And we're back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry here with you. And I will get right to it. What I teased right before the break. I, I'm a little nervous. I've got to be honest. But go ahead. Let's hear what you're with this. <laughs> what, well, first off, is the team's closer, if Daniel Bard is not the guy, Okay. I will place that caveat. If he is not the guy, is Jordan Sheffield your closer? Wow. And again, things that you, I would not have expected. I you, asked it, six it, weeks ago. it is. You know, if you'd tell me that <laughs> while I was sitting in spring training, I'd be going, what are you talking about? But you know what? I mean, the numbers say he's got a shot at it. Now, I know that there is a mentality between pitching middle innings and pitching that very end, but Sheffield has shown that he can do it. And, and honestly, outside of Givens, I'm not sure if there's another guy you put it in the hand and say, hey, go give it a shot right now. Now, personally, I, I would probably go with Robert Stevenson. Granted, he's had a rough last two outings. But his ERA before the last two outings was like 250, and now it's like 540. Um, so if he, if he can get back on track, then I would trust him more than I would Sheffield in that spot. But if, for example, like with Daniel Bard, he has not looked well really all season. Um, so if Stevenson has a six week period like that and Bard has it too, 
If Byron's in the minors, because he's got an option, Stevenson doesn't. Givens, if he's traded, Tyler Kinley walks too many guys, in my opinion. Yeah. Ben Bowden really don't want to go to a lefty closer, at least when you only have two lefties, both of which are rookies. Um, and Lucas Gilbreth hasn't actually, he hasn't been lighting the world on fire in a good way. Um, honestly, the, the only other guy that I might turn to is Justin Lawrence. There, I was getting ready to say, you know, there was an MLB.com article that came out that talked about the closure of the future for each team, and Justin Lawrence was that guy that was picked. And, and I will tell you, we said it in spring training. We said it two years ago, even. If the guy can get his control down, he's going to be a lights-out closer at some point for this team. And is this the year that they say, what do we have to lose? Go get him, Justin. Yeah. And, I mean, you very well could see. I, by the way the season's gone this year, I, I nothing much would surprise me anymore, unfortunately. But um, I wouldn't be shocked to see um, a Justin Lawrence closer uh, Jordan Sheffield, uh, Ben Bowden, setup men, and then a combination of Gilbreth, Stevenson, perhaps Kinley, um, Almonte. Hopefully, he can get back on track. But then, I mean, you're going to have some guys that either a you're adding to the 40 man roster who have some MLB service time, like Jairo Diaz, Jesus Tinoco, uh, Joe Harvey. Chris Russon, who has not looked well at all in Albuquerque. Um, Zach Roskup, not not exactly long-term answers here, people. But um, you could even see some other guys, like, for example, Chad Smith, who they acquired from Miami in the last year. And before this year, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't pitch above A-ball. Mm-hmm. And with Jordan Sheffield, too. He didn't pitch above A-ball. Now, granted, he's actually done fairly well. But what if he's in a more high-leverage situation? Now, also, too, on the last episode of the podcast, you talked with Riley Pint. And a few weeks ago, if you looked at the rosters for each of the teams, the minor league teams, they had some players on there. And some of them were ended up moving, like with Pint. And I remember we talked about this. I, I think we texted over it. Riley Pint at the time was on the Albuquerque roster. Mm-hmm. We were like, wow. If, if he, considering how many injuries he has had, and when he wasn't injured, how poorly he was pitching, if he's in Albuquerque, which, uh, frankly, you might see this year, I wouldn't be shocked, especially if he does pitch well in the lower levels, like he's in Spokane right now. Uh, that, that tells you a lot about the Rockies' depth, unfortunately. Well, as of the time of this recording, Riley Pint is doing very well in Spokane, and I'm not going to be surprised at all if he does get pushed up to Hartford or to Albuquerque, which, you know, let's be perfectly honest. You know, we're talking about what a great story the Connor Joe is. If Riley Pint can write himself, that would be a fantastic story for the Rockies. Yeah, and, I mean, even if he could just get to the majors, might not happen this year, but I mean, even if he can get to the majors in 2022 after having that many injuries and having in 
Grand Junction and Asheville walking more batters than he had innings, then uh, th- that's a heck of a story. You know, and, and I want to go back to an article that you wrote before the season even started about how this was the most important season in Rockies history. And let's go back to what you were talking about with what the bullpen, you know, hey, theoretically could look like if a Justin Lawrence, if a Jordan Sheffield, if if these guys that we all were going, wait a minute, are they really a part of the team? And all of a sudden they're thrust into these bigger roles, you know. That's setting the stage for, are these guys part of a longer-term solution at the bullpen level? And if they can prove that they are this year in a lost season, and sorry, guys, it is a lost season, but if they can show it this year, building into next year and the year after that, I think that that's a big win in the grand scheme of things for the Rockies. Yeah, and you're at the point of the year where we're halfway through May now, we're six weeks in most uh, the, the way you're looking at teams and the way that the record of teams, you're starting to get a fair look on them. And what did pretty much everybody that is not employed by the Rockies besides those with the purple pom-poms out, which you know who you are out there. Um, how many of, uh, how many people said the Rockies would be in last place? And if they weren't the worst team in the NL, They'd be the second worst team. Besides those purple pom-poms people, there wasn't any. And guess what? They are dead last in the National League. They are nine games back of the Giants for the West, which that's a surprise in its own. And the Dodgers haven't been lighting the world on fire either. But also – I pose to you this question with all the things that have happened in the last six weeks and we've been surprised by them as we've just been talking about. What if I told you that the Dodgers would be in third place six weeks in? <laughs> exactly. Boy, you know, the panic buttons are being hit over there. Chavez Ravine. Uh, There's no question. Over there. Maybe. I'm just telling you. But you, you know, but I mean, if you look at how, the last couple of weeks have gone and some of the storylines that have started to emerge. It includes Charlie Blackman uh, finding his rhythm at the plate. And thank God for that, because man, you talk about a guy who needed to find his rhythm for this team to have some semblance of an offense. That's Charlie. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like I said, Connor Joe being a great story, there's some good things happening, but obviously not as many as there are in San Francisco or, or other spots in the National League. And that includes, uh, you know, the, the Rockies, if we look at the schedule coming up, they're getting ready to go to San Diego. The Padres will probably be pretty close to full strength again when the when the uh, Rocks come into town. And we also know they're, then they're going to hit their first East Coast trip in two years. You know, yeah. I mean, think about that. Uh, we're getting ready to head to head to Queens uh, to meet the Mets. And, you know, so there's there's a lot of things that are going to happen between now and Memorial Day as far as the roster goes, as far as storylines go. And I'm really curious. The biggest thing that I'm watching, and I want your opinion on this, Noah, the biggest thing that I'm watching is that back into the bullpen that you mentioned. You know, I'm really wanting to see can Daniel Bard find his way again? And if he can't, is it going to force Bud Black into a, a crazy situation where he's going to have to find another closer out of a, a hodgepodge of relievers right now? I think that is definitely something 
I'm going to be looking at, but I'm going to go more broad. Okay. And we talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast. To start the month of May, they went fairly close to sea level, even though it's Arizona, which is the second highest elevation, but 1,000 feet in elevation and 5,280 is... It's not, last, last I checked, my sources say that is different. It's um, not the moon, you know, right. like, like we are here in Denver, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, it's either the moon or Mars. I, I Sources <laughs> are conflicted on that. So, but you're going from 1,000 feet in elevation to mile high and, and with an off day in between. And this, this is the past, mighty. And then you went back on the road to St. Louis, sea level or fairly close to sea level off day you're back at cores then you go to sea level san diego with no off day in between off day you come back to cores for three games then you fly across the country with no off day to sea level and then for four games mind you one of those games being at 10 a.m mountain time lovely and then you have three in pittsburgh now they aren't the best team on the planet but still, it's at sea level. Then you have an off day, and then going into June, you're again at altitude. But you, the, the Rockies had a lot of the three-game series at home back on the road. And as we saw to start the St. Louis series, which was only a three-game road trip, they got shut out in the first game. Second game, the hitting showed up, but the pitching didn't show up. And as... We, you and I have discussed it. We haven't talked about it on the podcast. We've talked about it on the phone or text. That's the sign of a mediocre team. The offense and the pitching aren't on the same page. So that's what I'm going to be looking at is, are the offense and the pitching going to be on the same page? Especially when they're going from, uh, they're going from no altitude to altitude to altitude uh, to non-altitude to altitude to non-altitude to altitude to non-altitude all in the span of four weeks. So far, they haven't fared well. There's a lot going on right there. Altitude to non-altitude. Wow. <laughs> you, you, I, I tell you what, my head was spinning there, and I wasn't even at altitude, so my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at 600 feet elevation right now, so my head's really spinning. In the <laughs> well, I want to remind everybody, make sure you check out at by Robert Murray on Twitter. Uh, make sure you check out his article on fansided.com on Monday. I think Rockies fans are going to be very interested in that. And Noah, uh, we are going to be very interested to see what this week holds. And I know that there's one more thing you got to get to. One, uh, we're recording this at, during Friday's game. Almost at tacos in the fourth inning. By the way, tacos is spelled with an apostrophe. If you aren't on Twitter, get on Twitter. Of course. Um, but also, too, the haircut is working. Is Josh Fuentes? Yep. That's amazing to hear. Well, I know we're going to... He had an RBI single in the game early. So he has two RBIs so far. In fourth inning. Gotta love it. And I can confirm they are starting the Joe, Joe, Joe chant at Coors Field. Good. Joe, Connor Joe, American hero. Gotta love it. There we go. So, all right, Noah, as always, thanks, my friend. Yep, and thank you, and thank you to Robert Murray as well. 
Absolutely. We appreciate Robert Murray. We appreciate all of you who listen every week. Thank you so much. Thanks for following us on rockspile.com as well as at rockspilefs on Twitter. And until we get together next time, hey, go Rockies. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.